Indigenous History. I'm Duncan. I'm Mike. And uh, yeah, I think we got a, a pretty good show for you in store for us right now. Um, and it's going to be a little bit of a weird week. It's just Mike and I. Um, I, I think we, 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 everybody is on assignment. They're, they're all over the world. They're basically Carmen San Diego. Uh, Dave, I, I, last I heard, was somewhere in the region of Tibet. Um, and, and Zach uh, is actually making a pilgrimage to uh, appease his penguin gods in Antarctica. So I thought he was actually going to see the South African penguin. Um, to be fair, I didn't ask which penguins. He said penguins, and I assumed Antarctica. So, yeah. you know, mea culpa, that's, that's my bad. I know he's not in the North Pole. And to be honest, I stopped paying attention when Zach started talking. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as we mostly always do. Uh-huh. Um, but I think, Mike, we'll hold it down. Hopefully. Uh, mostly me, um, but... <laughs> Heavily relying on you this oh, week. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. But, as always, we like to uh, start our episodes with a little bit of This Day in History. And, uh, Mike, what do you got for us today? Uh, so, actually, I have um, a short... It's almost like two, and I don't mean to do this because I know it's a big pet peeve of yours, and now I think I lost one of them. No, we're good. Yeah, I lost it. Um, so, the first one I want to mention, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it's somebody that is like almost like a namesake to me. So... Um, there was a very famous, uh, baseball manager by the name of Leo DeRoche. Spelled okay. the exact same way as my last name. Right. Um, and on this day in 1929 or something like that, um, he was purchased by the New York Yankees as a shortstop from the Hartford Senator. Um, nice. Is the Eastern baseball. So and nice. eventually he, he ended up uh, coaching Jackie Robinson and, uh, Yogi Berra and a whole bunch of other people who were with the Kind of a neat little thing. Yeah. But the actual, actual, actual uh, this day in history, which is super fun, Do it. Um, is uh, this day in 1959. Um, Date of recording. One, uh, sorry, July 22nd, yeah. 1959. It's my yep. first this day. That's why it's kind of... That's okay. That's okay. Thanks. We'll walk you thanks through for, it. Thanks for getting me through. Um, this day in 1959, July 22nd, uh, the movie by Ed Wood Jr., Edward Wood Jr., uh, started being released, or it was his general uh, release date uh, for Plan 9 from Outer Space. One of the worst movies ever made in the history of movies. I love it. So what, yeah. what's like its IMDb score? Uh, well, it says like it's 61% Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I, I would know what its IMDb score was, but I, it's such a bad movie, I actually threw up while researching it. <laughs> um, its budget was $60,000, which I mean, back in the 50s. Um, yeah. You know, that's, like that's, that's, who knows, it's like uh, $200,000 I mean, today. Yeah, yeah, I could get the inflation calculator out, but yeah, why bother? Too much math. Now, the, a couple of, movie. yeah, a couple of interesting things. Um, one, it actually, um, was... Uh, filmed in like 1956 and 57. Okay. It's considered Bella Lugosi, uh, you know, very famous like yep. horror actor and whatnot. It's considered his last movie, but he was actually never in the movie. Um, Bella Lugosi had filmed a couple of scenes uh, right. for Ed Wood in another movie, and they just shoved it in this thing. Really? Yeah. Could Which you imagine is- being, you know, a renowned actor and then somebody just shoves your clips into another movie that's like terrible absolutely yeah. garbage yeah well i said he was dead too like 
It's oh. not even like he was alive and they did it. Like, he was dead and they just like, yeah, let's put this shit in here. Do you think they did it like, so, like they did with Tupac just to make a couple extra bucks? Like, Tupac probably. was dead, but albums were coming out like 10, 15 yeah. years later. Well, looking at the cast, um, I think they needed a bit of like a I don't know, famous pull up. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's nobody in here you would have ever heard of, except for maybe Vampira, who nope. was the, yeah. No. Also, 1950s. Weird actor um although that being said i uh, always fun i uh, tag into uh one of my favorite um directors of all time tim burton yep um he did a movie called ed wood about the filming of this movie and the and the director um i won a couple of oscars and of course because tim burton directed it uh johnny depp was in it exactly and i believe walter Matthau might have i love walter Matthau. Yeah. What about Helena Bonham Carter? Was she? Oh no, it? sorry, Lando. Um, oh yeah, Matthew Lando. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, his wife was not in it. Um, oh. uh, Tim Burton's wife. Yeah, I think not they divorced. The Did they, they divorce? No, I think they're still. Well, unless she actually under figured out that uh, Johnny Depp's in love, or Tim Burton's in love with Johnny Depp. More than her, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think. I, I think that's that's pretty true. Yeah. Um, so cool. Uh, this was the date of recording, June twenty second, nineteen fifty nine. Nineteen fifty nine. It was its general release date of the movie Plan Nine. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Amazing. You gotta watch it. It's garbage. I. <laughs> well, with that ringing endorsement, please, yeah. I will. I will see if I can uh, find a copy somewhere. Yeah, it's probably like free to play on youtube you literally on its wikipedia page you can just watch it from there because yeah like nobody wants to make money off this yeah amazing yeah amazing so we're going from the worst uh in in one regard to the best in another and that's going to be our little segue today um we're going to talk about the best con man in the world nice okay so this is the story of the man who sold the Eiffel Tower twice. Wow. Um, how would you even do that? Right? So I guess you're going to explain it. Like, I'm going to go over this in show. detail. But yeah, this yeah. man sold the Eiffel Tower twice. So, you, our, Yeah, I mean, who... So the first time, sure. The second time, who's the idiot that would fall forward? Well, hang on. There were contingency plans built into this. Um, oh. But have you ever been to France, Mike? No, well, so uh, I've been to a colony of France or like uh, a territory. Uh, right Saint Pierre and Miquelon. Yes, I've yeah. been there, uh, but not to mainland France. I mean, I haven't. I, I had a layover briefly uh, in Paris when I was on my way to Germany, mm -hmm. and uh, I basically I I don't I I just change planes pretty much. Yeah, um, but I I would like to go to to Paris and. The, you know, the Arc de Triomphe and... Le and, you know, and uh, yeah, and, and get a stripy shirt and, yeah, you know, do all the French things. When you were in the airport doing your transfer, did you yeah. see the weird guy at De Gaulle Airport that has been stuck in the terminal for years, played by Tom Hanks? Yes, I did. Awesome. I did, yeah. That was actually part of my trip. We walked by, took photos. Uh, really nice. nice. Re did really flip, accommodating. Did you flip him the bird? 
No. No. Loiseau is the Loiseau. How can somebody ever flip the bird to Tom Hanks? Not Tom Hanks, the guy in the... Well, yeah, the Tom Hanks was portraying wherever he was fucking from. Tom Hanks, yeah, I agree with you. He's one of the nicest humans on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And he lost his volleyball. I know. Did you hear when he got COVID? Somebody gave him a volleyball. Oh, nice. It was amazing because he's in quarantine, right? Yeah, yeah. So somebody nice. gave him a volleyball, and uh, it, of fantastic. course it was a Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the Eiffel Tower, of course, in Paris, France, um, was built by Gustave Eiffel mm-hmm. uh, and his company. It was uh, part of a competition to build something for the 1989's World Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when it was built, it was the tallest structure on the planet. Yeah. At... Uh, 163 feet or uh, 81 stories. It was okay. the tallest until 1930 when the Americans built the Chrysler building. Oh, that's pretty cool. When was yeah. the uh, Empire State Building built then? Uh, after the Chrysler building, right? No, Chrysler building's bigger. Oh, never mind that. I okay. think. 99% sure. Think Chrysler building's you, bigger. I think it was like 110 stories. But... Anyways, who cares? We're talking about that. Oh. Yeah, or yeah. Le Grand PP, as they call it. Well, it's funny you say that. When it was built, everybody hated it. Yeah. Everybody hated it. Um, notably, Alexander Dumas, who wrote um, uh, uh, The Three Musketeers. Yep. Uh, it's probably one of his most famous works, said it was a loathsome construction. Mm-hmm. Like, people just hated it. And yeah. there was actually groups of people who were... Uh, trying to tear it down after oh, wow. after the the uh, World Fair and like that's awesome art groups of artists uh, politicians you know it was wildly useful during the the first World War they set up basically ra- uh, radio jamming on the actual tower itself they stopped the it helped stop the German advance on Paris and all that uh, in World War One awesome. it was actually supposed to be torn down after twenty years oh. Like that, that was happen. that was the rules of the contest, saying, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna keep this thing up for twenty years, and then we'll tear it down." Which I mean, sure, that's just the rules. I'm uh, now I'm picturing uh, Seinfeld Kramer uh, going for a test drive and seeing how long they can last on a tank of gas and just continuing <laughs> to push it. Right, and, and <laughs> let's still they're going. at twenty years. No, let's push it. Let's see how far we can go. <laughs> Kramer, we can't go any further. No, let's go. <laughs> great um and yeah and so obviously now uh as date of recording in 2021 it's still up um i don't think there's any plans for it to go anywhere uh, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the most photographed buildings in the world yes you know so it was built out of 7300 tons of wrought iron Oh, so, okay, wait, if we go back to the whale episode, how much dynamite? <laughs> I mean, if it was you were 16 to one, 16, 16 to one for whales, right? For whales. So, I feel like it would be a lower so, ratio. So, so maybe eight to one? Yeah, so maybe. But, okay, so you're but then you just thousand, put on the legs. A thousand tons. A thousand yeah. tons of dynamite. To, to blow or it up. A, or a kiloton. Oh, look at you, Mr. Science. Oh, so good. So... That uh, brings us to the next, the first character in our story. His name is Victor Lustig. 
Uh, he was born in 1890 in, I'm, I'm going to butcher the, this location, in Hostini, Austria-Hungary. Okay. So this is pre-World War I, of yep. course. Uh, apparently he was a pretty bright kid, uh, pretty huge troublemaker. He discovered gambling in Paris on a school break at the age of 19. Oh. And that for him was kismet. He was just in love. Casinos. Casinos, gambling, back alley. It didn't matter where he wanted to gamble. Uh, he was always good with sleight of hand stuff. Um, you know, he was always in the bars in Paris. Uh, and one of his, his telltale features was a giant scar on his face that he got from a woman's jealous boyfriend after nice. he, you know, kind of conned her in, into, into some of his wares. So, this dude from an early age is scamming. He's, uh, one of his earliest scams was uh, before World War I. He was in Paris, and he's pretending to be a producer of Broadway shows. And so, Americans are coming over, and they saying, oh, yeah, you know, I really want to make a show, and I just need some backers. So, uh, if anyone can, can just, you know, help me out, and yeah, I'll, I'll, you can be a part of the show and all this stuff. and. He scammed a ton of people mm -hmm. just doing that. Nice. So World War I hits. He loses his income because, you know, Americans aren't coming across uh, the pond anymore. So he loses his income. So he's got to figure out a way to make money. So he ends up actually figuring out a way to get to the U.S. and figures out a way to con banks into giving him uh, uh, bonds. Yeah. And through his sleight of hand and, and just, just being a sheer con artist, ends up with both the bonds and counterfeit money that he was using to pay for said bonds. That's awesome. Like, that's, that's perfect. This dude is like not even 30. Yeah, yeah. Been to two continents and conning people in both of them. Great. Like, he's just a badass. He's yeah, just yeah. a badass. So the war ends, and, and he says, you know what? He's kind of running out of people to con in, uh, in the U.S., so he heads back to Europe, and he heads back to Paris. And he's sitting one morning reading a newspaper, and he reads an article about how Parisians kind of want the tower gone. It's expensive to maintain. Uh, you got to repaint it every year. It's falling apart. And there's just kind of an offhand comment saying, yeah, guys, we should, you know, kind of asking for people in the public to, to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, this gives him an idea, of course, um, and that he's going to just try to convince somebody to, to get rid of it. And nice. a lot of this talk didn't happen before because. Gustav Eiffel was still alive mm -hmm. and he passes away in 1925. And of course, surprise, surprise, he's the biggest supporter of the Eiffel Tower. I mean, you have this massive building that's named after you and it's the biggest in the world. Yeah. yeah. Probably going to want to be a fan. And, and at the, like everyone's saying like, it doesn't really match the architecture that's around. It doesn't look like the Arc de Triomphe, you know, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really look like anything that's around. So let's, let's get rid of it. Yeah. And, you know, that, that whole idea was building up steam, building up steam. 
So what does Victor do? He finds a forger mm -hmm. to get some uh, government stationery. Yeah. And makes a meeting uh, with some local scrap dealers at a high-end hotel. Uh -huh. So when we're talking scrap, I mentioned it's built out of 7,300 tons of wrought iron. Yeah. At today's scrap iron prices, the Eiffel Tower is worth uh, $63 million. That's pretty good. Uh, the Lotto Max this week is only 44. So, so you, you sell this one building for scrap? Lottery. You're, you're going to make, you know, lottery type winning. Yeah. So Lustig says, you know, he gets these guys in a room and he says, I'm the deputy director of the Ministry of Posts and Telegraphs. And I'm in charge of, of taking apart this tower. Mm -hmm. So he, he's engaging each one and just trying to find a mark. And if you're a con man, that is the hardest part about being a con man is finding someone who's going to believe your shit. Yeah. So he says, guys, you got you to gotta just kind of keep this under wraps until everything's finalized. Because if everyone finds out, yeah, there's a bunch of people that want this thing gone, but there's more right now who love it. And, you know, saying it's, it's a nation's symbol. Mm -hmm. um, so he's saying, guys, it's just taking, costing too much for the city, you know, Paris to upkeep. It's costing too much for France to upkeep. And so we got to take it down. And I'm in charge. I'm going to pick the guy who gets to do this. And then you take it down. You sell it for scrap. Do whatever you want. Money's yours. But you got to pay me to do that. <laughs> this is like, um, sorry. sorry no, 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 please. This is, this is like on Kijiji right now because the price of lumber, right? Mm -hmm. you, uh, you go on Kijiji or Craigslist if you're listening to us, not Canada. Um, and people are literally selling their wooden decks right now because lumber yeah. uh, is like ridiculously priced right now. Yeah. It's gone up by like triple, quadruple, you know, whatever the price is. Um, so people are saying, listen, I got this deck. It's back here. I want to sell it to you. You got to come and take it down. Right. But these boards in the store are worth 25 bucks, but I'll sell them to you for 20, but you got to come and take it away. Fucking asshole. The deck's been on his t in a house for 10 years. He bought those boards for five bucks. Yeah. He's trying to p get you to pay him 20 bucks to haul his fucking garbage away. Maybe they're related to this guy. They could be. This is they, yeah, they probably are for sure. And, and like, yeah, and he's just scrap is has always been you know super popular. Copper has always been very big. Uh, in a past life, I worked in a hardware store, and the copper uh, in the plumbing aisle went missing a lot. Yeah, and that and that stuff's only worth you know pennies mm -hmm. uh, by comparison. But the things people will do for scrap is. Oh, people, like, they'll go to new housing developments and they'll yeah. rip the copper out of the walls yeah. at night. 100%. It's ridiculous. 100%. Yeah. So, uh, Lustig picks this group. He says he chose them because they're honest businessmen. I think there is uh, three, three groups of guys. Uh, yeah. And three businesses. And uh, he says they're honest businessmen. And if you're a con man, those are the guys you want. Yeah. Right. So Lustig, gullible. yeah, gullible and, and, and believing that everything is, is hunky dory and everyone's just, you know, super nice. Mm -hmm. So Lustig picked his mark. And when I imagine this, I imagine like a cheetah on the Serengeti, uh, you know, uh, just uh, like, yep, that wildebeest has a limp. Just 
licking his chops. Right. So he finds his mark. There's a man named Andre Poisson. Of course. Right. Poisson. Poisson. That's where that song came from, obviously. Uh, clearly. Um, so he picked Poisson because he was insecure. Mm-hmm. And he wanted oh. to be a magnet in the Paris community. So he's this up-and-coming scrap guy who just, he looks at all these other scrap guys with their massive businesses, and he's like, I want to be a part of that. How do I get that? Yeah, yeah, And And Lustig is like, yes, this guy. Do you not feel that, like, you're saying this guy's an up-and-comer in the, the scrap uh, community in Paris? This is like being like the the highest class person that owns a tow truck <laughs> like well i mean look at the are, numbers you're, you're talking wearing, you're gonna be wearing nothing but dolce and gabbana t uh tank tops from here on out like well and that's it that's right it. like <laughs> these guys are all wearing suits i'm sure maybe plus his suit is probably not nearly as nice as everybody else's yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he, like he oh. can't afford a double breasted that's got yeah. a single tabelle neck yeah and he's just looking at them going oh fuck I only got one breasted on mine. I that that dude's is triple. Button. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> a triple breasted right? suit. What the fuck? Yeah, how do I get that? <laughs> so, he's figured out that... he uh, Lustig figures out his mark. He's like, that's my guy. So he tells all the guys, look, I'm going to have meetings with everybody individually. And uh, you guys give me your bid in that uh, meeting. And then I'll tell you all separate... I'll, I'll tell you all after... Who, who, who wins the bid. Mm-hmm. So, in the meeting that he has with Prasan, he says, look, um, I love my job, um, but I don't make enough. And, and I want to live a certain lifestyle. So, already right now, he's appealing to this guy saying, I'm just like you. I mm-hmm. want to be bigger. I want to have my lifestyle like this and like this and like this. And so, he convinces uh, Prasan to bribe him he's like i'm 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 corrupt official you just you know what if you give me some money we'll make sure this this happens nice so this is just like what happened in uttar pradesh kind of yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. bribe a government uh, official perfect yeah but but the <laughs> so guy he's does making it. more money off his fucking scam too yeah yeah so upsell Upsell, upsell, upsell. He ends up giving him uh, like five. I, I couldn't find it if it was francs or if they were converting to U.S. dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it was francs, he gave him seventy thousand francs as a bribe and as a purchase of the tower, which is today uh, about one, just over a million bucks. Awesome. Right, so this dude, and he had that money within an hour. Wow. He's like, I'll be right back. And he probably embezzled it and, and shit like that from his own company, right? Yeah. Just because he wants to be a big dog. So, the exchange happens, Lustig flees. He's like, I'm out of here. Because why stick around? You might get caught. Mm-hmm. So, he goes back to Austria. And he lives there like a king for the next six months. And every day he's reading the papers trying to see if, uh, you know, his mark went to the cops. Yeah. Or other authorities. Cause he, but he figured 
this guy wants to be, you know, an up and comer. He wants to be huge and in, in, in the business world. He figured he'd probably be too embarrassed uh, and, and just absolutely feel ridiculous for, for being conned like this. And he was uh-huh. right. He was right. The guy never went to the authorities, the police. He kept watching the papers, uh, Listig. So after about six months, he says, I'm going to go back to Parrot. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Nice. It's exactly the same play, different scrap dealers, and it worked again. Uh-huh. I couldn't find numbers for, for how much he got on the second one. Um, but his luck that he had with the first guy who didn't go to the cops ran out. So now Listig is everywhere. He's in the newspapers. He's on the radio. Everyone's talking about him. Because he sold this guy the Eiffel Tower. He's a huge con man, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so Listig decides he's got to get the hell out of Dodge. So he goes through his old stomping ground back to the U.S. Nice. Because where else are you going to go? The land of the free. Right? And yeah. he continues to con. Of course. He, some of the names this man is attached to, he swindled Al Capone out of $50,000. Well, that's risky. So he says to Al, I have this, this con I'm working, uh, but for it to work, I need 50 grand. Capone says, okay, mm-hmm. here you go. You got a couple months. <laughs> Lustig sits on the money. He doesn't do anything. He has nothing planned. He just sits on the money. Two months yeah, go yeah. by, Capone says, where's my money? And he says, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I yeah, it, it kind of all fell through. And Capone loses his shit. He's about to just tear him a new one. He says, wait, wait, wait. I got it right here. Capone nice. loves it. He's like, you got some cojones on you? Here's a grand. I like you. Wow. And that's what he was banking on the whole time. That's and this, this, this guy, like some of the scams he, he does, he, one of his scams was called the Rumination Box. Or mm-hmm. Ruminarian Box, I believe. And he says, he goes basically in a group of people. Or, or solo with people. He says, I have this machine. It prints money. All you, it basically, it's a Xerox machine. But of course, Xerox doesn't exist. So he yeah. says, you give me whatever bill you want. I'll duplicate it. Takes a couple days, though. Takes a couple days. Uh, and he, all, he already, everyone always picked a $100 bill. So he put a $100 bill in the machine. It was just a fancy, like, trick. Yeah. He put a $100 bill in. And he already has a $100 bill in there, and it spits out $200 bills. So he says, if you want, I'll sell you this machine. Awesome. He, he sold a ton of them. Uh, a ton of them. And he's just so good at it. So 1936, he's arrested on counterfeiting. Yeah. He says he's waiting for his trial, and he's bragging everybody, no prison could ever hold me. Um, the day before his trial, he escaped. Okay. He made a bedsheet rope. And I thought this shit only existed in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He made a bedsheet rope and uh, shimmied down the side of a Manhattan building in his prisoner clothes. You want to know how he didn't get caught? He pretended to be a window washer. The whole way down, he pretended to wash every... People saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, that's... Yeah, the window washer. (laughs) 
dressed and, up in prison clothes. Right? It's just as on a one bed does. Sh- on a bed sheet rope. Right? As yeah, as one does. It's yeah. The, the dude is just badass. He of course was caught again. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, how far are you gonna go in prison clothes? And I don't care how smooth talking you are. Yeah. You're still wearing prison clothes trying to run from the cops. And it was actually the Secret Service who busted him. Like Yeah, yeah. He was a man of note. His nickname was the Count. Like, that's just a badass nickname. And he was the Count because he's he always lived luxuriously. He lived like he was a G. Yeah, because he that's why he had to keep running these scams. Because he was living that baller lifestyle. I mean, if he just settled down as a farmer in the Midwest with his millions of dollars. Yeah. He was no um, Gus Spring, I guess. I have no idea who Gus Spring is. Oh, you didn't watch Breaking Bad? No. Oh, never mind. I know. Um, he, anyways, long story short, Gus Spring was like the mastermind of a meth empire. Made money hand over fist, but lived like extremely uh, frugally, and he hit it under the fact that he owned like 12 uh, fast food restaurants. But, El Pollo Loco? Yeah. No, I know. Uh, Los, Pollos El Pollo, Los Pollos Hermanos. Sí. Yeah. But he lived like, you know, again, he was very reasonable. He lived not a flashy lifestyle yeah. and whatnot. So yeah. the opposite of this count guy. I'm yeah. Guessing. Like, this guy would have been like flipping hundreds of strippers and like white Cadillacs for everybody. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, he, if he was a, you know, well, I don't want to spoil the story, but uh, he gets caught again and he's sentenced to 20 years in Alcatraz because mm-hmm. good luck escaping from there. Yeah, with uh, Al Capone. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure which year Al Capone was sentenced, but yeah, probably around there. They're probably yeah. in there together. Um, he actually died in prison mm-hmm. after serving 11 years. Um, and nobody, like, he kind of went out quietly. His brother had to inform uh, you know, the, the media and stuff like that. that yeah, he, he's passed away. So yeah. a man who had so much notoriety in his life uh, kind of went out like one of, like he disappeared from France or disappeared from the U.S. Just, just went out quietly. Um, but before he died, he wrote down his Ten Commandments of con men. Oh, oh, I want to hear these. Right? So, okay. Number one, be a patient listener. Uh, it's this, not fast talking. That gets a con man his coups. So, okay, listen. Be a patient listen, listener. Never look bored. Okay. Number three, wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. Oh, yeah, that works. Seems straightforward. Yep. Uh, number four, let the other person reveal any religious views and then have the same ones. Again, straightforward. Yep. Hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other party shows a strong interest. Okay, yeah. Okay. I never discuss illness unless some special concern is shown. Okay. Uh, never pry into a, personal, uh, a person's personal circumstances. They'll tell you all eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, never boast. Just let your importance be quietly obvious. Mm-hmm. Number nine, never be untidy. Okay, yep. And number ten, most importantly, 
never get drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing so good. Yeah. I was doing so good. And then number 10. Well, that's why I'm not a successful con man, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay not being a successful Yeah. All those rules make sense, though. You know, like, yeah. they're, they're legit. Um, they almost sound like uh, what would be considered, like, 1950s, 60s salesman rules. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the story of Victor Lustig. The man who sold the Eiffel Tower twice. Twice. That's awesome. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I think that was a pretty good episode. I don't know what we're doing next week. And to be honest, we'll just, you know, do it by the seat of our pants. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not improv. ready. We're yeah. going to do improv oh, no. history. An improv. Not, not, no, no, no. Not, not like the history of improv. We're going to improv a history episode. It's going to be terrible because we'll say, somebody give us a topic. And nobody's here, Mike, so it's just going to be silence. Uh, oh. Well, we could draw from a hat, maybe. I was just thinking you just make up shit on the spot. Uh, this is going to be the history of 1963. All right, we'll leave the topics to me. Okay, and, uh, yeah, we'll keep everything. We'll keep everybody posted. But uh, don't forget to follow us on... Instagram and Facebook at Honest to Goodness History. Uh, you know, of course, feel free to send us corrections. I mean, we're pretty much flawless. Uh, you can send your corrections or just general input to Honest to Goodness History at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, let us know how we're doing. Could we check in again? Um, to date, have to we had date, any corrections? We have sent. had zero corrections, Mike. 100% so, perfect. 100% correct and flawless. Uh, at which point do, does Harvard give me an honorary history degree? It's coming. It's in the mail. Um, but the problem is you actually need to send me the money Oh yeah, uh, to get your degree printed. Right. Um, right. Cash, though, no tax. Yeah, see, you pried, you pried into my personal business. That was rule number... What rule was that? That was rule number seven? Yeah, that was rule number seven. I'll tell you eventually. All right, I guess no coffee for me. No.